Oh, that mic was far away from me. Oops, sorry if that made loud noise. Uh, CITR 101.9 FM, this is the Ink Studs, the radio show where we talk about what, Colin? Uh, comics. There we go. As Colin says enthusiastically with uh, rage and... Comics! There we go, that's better. Um, it's a lovely day, Thursday, about 2.06. Does that sound... 2.06, that sounds right. We're going to pretend it's right. Pacific time, um, because our guest, Mr. Bob Fingerman is in New York, so it would be 5.06 Eastern Time. That logic works. That works. Um, same world, different time. <laughs> there we go. That's I'll, I'll avoid doing any more of my uh, crappy uh, TV, movie, I don't know, announcer thing. I'll just make everyone awkward. Uh, Bob's latest books are Connective Tissue as well as From the Ashes. Was that it? Yep. I just read it earlier today, and I'm like, I can't remember. The instantly forgettable. <laughs> I love it. Ashes. You know why? It's because I read the PDF, which I don't normally do read PDFs, and the mm. cover was separate, and so I just read the comic, and yeah, I'm waving my hands, making no sense. Um, Bob, I'm very happy you've joined us today. I'm happy to be here. Hello, you. Hello, Colin. Hello. For those that have been listening for Ink Studs for a while or not for a while, Bob was one of our earliest guests on the show, I'd say, up there in the first three. So, really? Uh, I think so. I'm I'm pretty sure it was like our first guest was Seth, which we actually did before we started the show. And then it was like you and Mary Fleener and maybe Rick Geary was later. Hmm. I don't remember. It's been a while. Nearly nearly four years. Well, probably three and a half for t- chatting with you. Um, huh. But I'm happy you've come back to join us again. I didn't scare you off with our uh, early uh, rough, tumble, uh, conversational quips. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> You're still there. You're not hearing a dial tone. <laughs> and I did hear you, you played out or played me in with Muse, so yes. thank you. Tell me about your love of Muse. I... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's much to say. I love Muse. We'll leave it at that. I think they're great. I like bands that are ambitious, and they are an ambitious band. And I mean musically ambitious. I don't know if they're uh, ambitious in any other way, but I I like the fact that they actually write complex music. They reminded me of Queen. They have some of that in there. They do. Which is funny, because you also really like the Ramones. And I also really like Queen. So... Actually, I, I, I was uh, once saying that the best Queen song in the last 10 years was a song by Muse. So, <laughs> there you go. It's the only one of their songs that I think sounds truly like, uh, like Queen, but it does. Most of their stuff just sounds like them. Mm. I'll have to listen for more. I just, you know, something, I used to listen to lots of music, and maybe this is an age thing, or maybe it's just different priorities have changed, but... I just don't listen to enough new stuff anymore since going to school and starting the show. Maybe it's a, I'm becoming too much of a comic geek. You tell me, granddad. Well, I'll tell you I what. i got a few years on you, but now I know exactly what you mean, because I definitely don't keep on top of it the way I used to. Now I just sort of find some bands that I like, and then I just like the hell out of them. That starts about age 35, I think. Oh, crap, I've started early. <laughs> <laughs> Now, um, the first book I want to chat about is uh, Connective Tissue, the one from Fanagraphics. Okay. Uh, 
it's an odd piece. It is an odd piece. It's an odd piece. Tell me about the background of working on it, because I remember first seeing images of it online on your blog years ago. And how did that develop? Uh, yeah, well, not that that many. I think I'm trying to think when I started the blog, because I think I actually started that blog in 2008. So it wouldn't have been that <laughs> that, that long ago. My memory is messy. You're, boy, yeah, you're, you're freaking. You're not listening to music. You're free boy. Who am I? I'm talking to some senior senior radio station, aren't I? Oh come on! Let's start talking about our medications. How many pills do you take a day? Well, I got the blue one that helps with my bowel movements because the raisin brand just doesn't do it anymore. Well, I'm, I'm uh, now down. I'm down to two for the diabetes and about three or four for the calcium and supplements. <laughs> and we get a real answer. <laughs> Fine. Weren't expecting that, were you? <laughs> no, I wasn't. Okay, and I'm just checking just to make sure that uh, that Robin's not completely. Uh, I started the blog in 2007, so there you go. Okay, you're right. I'm wrong. Um, so it it actually it does go back. See, this is the thing when you're sitting in front of your computer, you can instantly fact check. I started it September 22nd, 2007. So there you go. And the very first post, apropos of what we're talking about was two drawings from, at that point, the, uh, the inchoate version of connective tissue. So, yeah. So, all right. To go, so, I guess to, to go back to your question, I, I, I started doing this series of drawings, um, not quite knowing where I was going to go with it. I knew I wanted it to be a book at some point, but I wasn't sure what kind of book it would be, whether it would be all art, whether it would have text. I thought it would have text, but I wasn't sure. Uh, but I just started doing this series of drawings of the uh, of the girl, the, the lead character, Darla, just sort of going through her day, and then I started taking her down a weirder and weirder <laughs> path. And... Some vague notion of a story was in my head, but I, I just wanted to do it the opposite way the, uh, of the way that I usually work, which would be I'd write a story and then do the art. In this case, I wanted to do the art and then put a story around it. So, so it was all it was all kind of a, a big experiment. Was it ever going to be a comic? No, it was never going to be a comic. I definitely didn't want that. Um, and just the fact that I like words as much as I do, the likelihood of it being a pantomimetic strip uh, with no words was pretty remote, too. So... Is that a word? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Pantomimetic? I'm going to get my fact checker on this one. Now, Darla, she is quite the uh, verbose uh, character, very uh, very well uh, spoken for a young lady. Yeah, well, I don't like writing. I mean, I only like writing dumb characters if they're the... Um, <sighs> if they're, if they're the, the brunt of a joke. But uh, I, don't, I don't find reading dumb very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think pantomimetic is a word. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm now, and I see now I'm obsessing about that. I like coining words, but I really don't think that one. It's your own version of kind of your own hip hop. Pantomimic. Pantomimic. I added a couple of syllables. Pantomimic. Oh, okay. Is what I should have said. Bob's word of the day. Yes. Brought to you by Inksteads. Yes, not just not just dull, but educational. When when I was reading the book, I, I noticed that she kept making references from everything from uh, the Planet of the Apes to the Prisoner to George Gross and just this uh, all these cultural references, and it made me wonder where you stood in the whole highbrow versus lowbrow culture wars. <laughs> well, I figured. I mean, I the. the Oof, where do I go with that? And only one I mean, survive. I made this girl work in a video store, so I figured she'd constantly be inundated with pop culture, so it, it, I felt it was consistent for her to, to make these kind of references, plus, you know, New York hipster chick, she would, she would be well-versed. But me, in terms of high art and low art, I, I don't really know what to make of that, because, I mean, if anything, I think both of those titles are so self-conscious. Um, like, I know the low art thing is kind of the, the... I guess that's... I don't know if that's the buzzword or whatever mission statement of magazines like Juxtapose, where I guess they sort of skate between high art and low art. But, I mean, low art to me... I don't think that would be anything anyone should ever really aspire to, because <laughs> low art is different than commercial art. You know, commercial art has its reason. It's, it's art being done in service of not just of commerce, but, you know, you're getting paid. Low art, to me, just sounds like you're not really trying. Mm. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, or it's just, or it gets, I think, applied to stuff that, to my mind, shouldn't be called low art. I know they call guys like Todd Shore and Robert Williams low art, and I think that's kind of a load of crap because, I mean, they're fine artists. You know, they, <laughs> they, they, they have a great deal of craft. They think about what they're doing. So, I, yeah, I don't really know. I and think those are paint. both kind of – and high art, I don't know what that means because I've seen a lot of stuff that has been dubbed high art that's total garbage. <laughs> Colin and I are on uh, different ends of the spectrum of the use of the term high and low. He, he well, you tell me what you think. Me, I I hate the terms. I Lowbrow bothers me to no end because it becomes, especially making this all-encompassing thing for East Van. <laughs> it's East Van and Vancouver separated East and West, and you get the idea of uh, the different cultures. East side's more of the the poor and working West. class yeah. not even working class anymore because that puts in different other constructs lower middle class it's vancouver's a lot different now mm. we don't have mm. the same class constructs that we would have 20 years ago because it's it's an expensive city mm. and people are in whatever neighborhoods they're in um but it it it, it creates this idea of it, it's a class identity going with this lowbrow thing where we are doing dice on mirrors and you you don't aspire. It, it doesn't push you any further, I find. Mm. I think you, you kind of settled yourself within a framework, within a group of people. And to me, art, you know, it's all-encompassing, and it's multidisciplinary, and you you push yourself. And it, with labels, labels are good, like photography. 
cartooning. But low and high, it's you. You create like I guess well, like a dialectic between the two. And then you and I are in agreement. We are in agreement. Well, I generally look at the sort of highbrow art as being the very difficult ivory tower art, which you know a lot of abstract art and whatnot that you and and. Um, What's the word? Conceptual art. Art that is totally incomprehensible to people who haven't got a fine arts education. And I think of lowbrow art as art that can be understood and appeals to a, a wider audience. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a good definition. I, I just I wonder at I just I sometimes wonder if art takes longer to explain than it does to look at. If the artist has achieved what he was trying to achieve. Mm hmm. You know, if if it takes me 20 minutes to read the placard next to the art and one second to look at the art, I don't know if that's high art or just high-minded failure. Well, I'm going to I'm going to completely shift the topic now. Back to comic books. Cuz honestly, we could go on about this for for quite a while and probably give people headaches. Um, <laughs> okay, back to the dunce cap. We I'll are take the, off the mortarboard. <laughs> we, we are the intellectual comic radio show. Yes. I think we're the only comic radio show. Actually, that's not true. Robin Fisher does have the Onomatopoeia show out of... Uh, Montreal. Montreal. I forget what station it is, but it's their Sundays at... Oh, God, I can't remember. Sorry, Robin. Um, one of the things about connective tissue, uh, totally going in that vein of higher or low art, is that it's art you're having fun. You want to draw a girl with big boobs and te tentacles attacking her. Of course. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the first and foremost thing was I wanted to have fun with, with drawing the art. So, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> that, yeah, that's, that's, that, that was a very uh, easy, easy explanation for why I chose to, to make the protagonist what I chose to make her. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll make her a... A curvy, sort of pseudo punky chick, with yeah, <laughs> but with a brain. But with a brain. Now, you know, just saying that, but with a brain, that brings on a connotation that you're going to be dumb because of that physical. Uh... Hey, I'm just <laughs> digging myself deeper and deeper. Oh no! No, one of the interesting things is your use of colors to tell the story. Mm. When did that come in for you? Uh, <laughs> I think it came in when, when I convinced Gary to do the book in color. <laughs> because, I, th I mean, the book would have, would have, I think, worked had it just been um, in, in gray tones. But I did the art, the bulk of the art, in um, sort of the sepia mm -hmm. kind of look. And I didn't really want to lose that because I thought it gave a kind of nice, warm look to the art. Um, but I, I played with, since, since both it and From the Ashes are done in a monochromatic palette, I mean, they're printed in full color, but the palette is monochrome. I figured since they're using the four-color process, I might as well use that to some effect. So... In From the Ashes, I use a variety of palettes of monochrome to depict either shifts in time or in setting. And I thought I'd use the same thing in connective tissue. Actually, I guess I did connective tissue first, so uh, 
the, the quote, real-world stuff in connective tissue sort of a, uh, in a cooler register, uh, bluish, greenish, gray kind of register. And then once she segues down the, the trippy rabbit hole, uh, it goes into the, the, the more sepia tone, and actually even the page where she is kind of lurching from one world to the next, that page is both colors. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, there, you know, there, there are little bits of shorthand that you can use to, to kind of move the story. I mean, I also was thinking, I don't know why, but uh, Wizard of Oz has been a lot on my mind lately, and though I didn't go full Technicolor, I like the fact that, you know, her her drab real life is in black and white. And then, of course, you know, Oz is in crazy Technicolor. Uh, I didn't want to go over the top, but I like that idea. What were you drawing with? Just pencil. Oh. Um, colored pencil. Hmm. Is that fancy enough for you, Colin? Well, I'm. I, I just thought there must be some complicated computer programming involved. Well, I, you know, I, you asked. I, I guess I was being too literal in that <laughs> answer. I mean, I don't want to get into a whole uh, shop talk, you know, technique kind of thing. But it, all the drawing was done just traditionally with with uh, a colored pencil, and then I did the tone work uh, on the computer. But I used my own layers which are organic scans of organic tones that i've done in in charcoal and what have you so so i don't think it looks digi at all no 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 No. i'm gonna do a quick song break what would you like to hear talking to me yes oh i'm talking to me i sent you my little list (laughs) i can't i can't even remember what i sent you because i I did the equivalent of of requesting those songs the way i sometimes order food in a restaurant i just panicked and (laughs) shot you the first four things that popped into my head i got the eagles of death metal sparks go with eagles of death metal they're always good all right citr 101.9 fm we will be right back with our guest bob fingerman hooray hooray
CITR 1.9 FM. This is the Inkset Show, radio show where we talk about... Oh, uh, comic books and, and graphic novels and related art forms. You know, I don't actually like to use the graphic novel term. Me? No, I, I don't. <laughs> oh, I, I've, yeah, I've, that's another term I'm not crazy about. I just, you know, and I'm in school and all this stuff, and it really it, it gives me the willies sometimes because it's like creating this another precedent of there's a difference. And I hate well, the term pamphlet. And it's also usually, well, pamphlet's bad, but the, the one I heard recently, which I really don't like, is calling comic books floppies. <laughs> Have you heard that? Oh, yeah. yeah, I've heard that. I just, I mean, could you come up literally with a more flaccid name for them? It's, <laughs> it's, it's a business that already has low self-esteem, and suddenly it's like everyone, let's pick the most impotent-sounding thing ever. Oh, I'd like a floppy, please. It's like, a, it's like a rejected Big Mac. They should at least then call graphic novel stiffies. Might could, help. Can you see know. people going and asking for a stiffy? I'd like a stiffy, please. There we go. <laughs> hey, heard hey. I've, I've come up with a great solution. There we go. Um, available I'm not a team player. Finer uh, comic stores and strip clubs around the states. <laughs> yeah, stiffies for all. <laughs> now, from the ashes, that comic is like you realizing your. Uh, your dream in reality? <laughs> well, I'll put it this way. If, if the reality of an apocalypse was anything like my comic, it wouldn't be so bad. But I, don't, <laughs> I don't think there's a whole lot of uh, probability of, of my apocalypse being the one that we would actually get. I mean, how fun would it be if all the idiots were gone and you just ended up with, you know, wacky mutants for friends? That would be pretty great, but I, I, I don't anticipate that. Well, I haven't gotten to the wacky mutants yet. No. But they're coming? They are coming. They are coming. What, what kind of shoddy, half-assed, unreadable post-apocalypse story would it be if you didn't get mutants? There we go. It, you know, Dark Knight Returns wouldn't be the same without mutants. Which? Dark Knight Returns. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't even brought up Batman. They're not that lovable, though. No. Mine you want to hug. <laughs> really? I mean, I've I read the whole book, so... The first issue. Oh, sorry. I, I, oh, there's more. There's four more? Six. Six oh. five more? It's a six issue. It's a, it's a big, elaborate story. It's a lot of floppy. See, in a way, I think, actually, somebody, somebody uh, pointed out uh, on some message board that they thought that the cover shouldn't have just said number one. It should have said number one of six, because uh, they kind of wanted to know how much they were, you know, how much more story there was going to be. Uh, and I don't know, maybe there's something to that. Because I don't if, want people thinking this is a one-off. Well, that, would, that would be horrible. I just had the PDF, so I didn't have the cover. Ah. They had uh, the comic store. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Colin has a dial-up connection, so I couldn't send him the everything that came. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's 1992 over here. Don't hate me. 20, 28.8 bits. Uh, or whatever it is, the yeah. old... Uh, I think he's got a 56K. 56. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, I love getting up more than a megasecond, so, you know, the internet's fun. From the Ashes, you're a lifelong post-apocalyptic fan. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, chatting with you about your love of post-apocalyptic movies. Any particular greats? Movies? Yeah. Well, I mean... Uh, oh, Sorry, did I just make a, a pop in your ear? My yeah. phone just did something funny. <laughs> uh, 
Well, I mean, some of the, the I guess, the obvious choice would be uh, Road Warrior. That's a great one. But A Boy and His Dog, I think, is is right up there. Delicatessen. Mm-hmm. I Delicatessen is fantastic. It's by the same guy that or guys that did um, City Lost Children and Amelie. Mm-hmm. Yep. So those, yep. I mean, those would be three that definitely Amelie. come right to mind. I mean, technically, Planet of the Apes is a post-apocalypse movie. No! So... Yeah, that that that's certainly a good un. A good un. Now, uh, this is beyond just a apocalyptic comic. Apocalyptic. I can't even speak. Let's just call it a PA. A PA. <laughs> we'll go with Mr. Bougie's uh, shortened form. Non-clementure. <laughs> um. It's kind of a very uh, self-confessing autobiocomic at the same time, set in a. Wonderful, wonderful future. Well, the wonderful, wonderful present, really. <laughs> that or the past, because it says uh, 2008. In yeah, it. exactly. So, what happened in 2008? Well, I wanted to set the thing in. I mean, partly because I started it in the lead up to the 2008 election, but you know, by the time I was midway through it, we already had uh, a new president. But I didn't want to get into any of that. But I did want to have some of that. Just apprehensive feel as mm. the as the election loomed. So it's more about the mindset than the actuality of of the election. I, I didn't want to get into the whole McCain Obama business, but eight years of Bush certainly was enough to put me in a very apocalyptic state of mind. So I actually the 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 opening date isn't an arbitrary date because I the the first page says uh, September 17th, 2008. And uh, actually, September 17th is uh, my wedding anniversary. <laughs> so Aww. I figured this thing is both romantic, but there's you can have a little bit of uh, fun with, with dates. It so. is kind of a testament of your love. It is. <laughs> it is. I, uh, I'm very fond of my wife, so I thought it was time to to finally portray that, but you know, if you're going to portray something lovey-dovey, you might as well set it against the apocalypse. Um, I was just wondering. I mean, you say that you've watched uh, post-apocalypse films and such, but the events of 9/11 do that doesn't that does that change how you deal with the sub that kind of subject matter? Um, well, I mean, it influences it, and certainly there are. Discussions. I never wanted to actually come out and point a finger at any one specific thing for the end of the world in this, because I didn't want this to be polemical in any way, and I didn't want it to be... I figured if the world comes to an end, there's going to be, you know, for any survivors, there's going to be the question of who started this, who made this happen. So there, there are dialogue sequences in this where... It's uh, it's all speculation, but there's never any actual answer, and I never give any actual answer for who who done it. Um, but there are references to uh, September 11th um, and fear of terrorism, fear of religion, religious extremists. I mean, the very first 
page of dialogue in it, I, I'm speculating, and I'm not saying whether I'm right or wrong, because we never know who, who did it, but I say, you know, how I think my character says something like, how long have I been saying the religious zanies would do this? And, you know, that's the first thing that I think, but it doesn't mean I'm right. It's your gut reaction. It's the gut reaction, yeah. But would it be um, this? Because it's such an irrational thing to have ended the world, and the only, the only thing I would think would be irrational enough to do that would be religious zealotry, you know. Now, what would have been your response 30 years previous? 30 years previous? Yeah, say if this happened in the 70s. I was going to say when I was a, a kid. <laughs> You're saying it's, it's just... The boogeyman. The boogeyman. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean... I, I am 44, so 30 years ago I would have been 14, so I probably wouldn't have blamed the boogeyman or the bougie man, but <laughs> I, I wouldn't have blamed the Russians, I'll put it that way. Uh, my, my, I remember one thing my dad, who is a very well-traveled, uh, well-read man, as a kid I never was afraid of the Cold War, ever. He said, if the end of the world ever comes, it's not going to be at the hand of the Russians. And I, I, I believed him, and I, you know, hey, he's right. So and it, now, wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't have been that. And now it's something else. And now it's something else, yeah. Now, I, I mean, if it happened, I, if, if, I don't want to take this conversation in too depressing <laughs> a direction. But, That's I mean, okay. if, if, because, I mean, frankly, my apocalypse is fairly of good cheer. <laughs> but Frighteningly so. I was going to say, but the real-world apocalypse, if it ever came, I don't think it would be from any government. I really do think it would be some faction somewhere, and I won't even say any specifics, because who the hell knows. But I, I don't see governments being that untethered, but I see sects, groups, etc. being that untethered. It's like 24. It is, you know, I mean, except uh, <laughs> less black and white. Yeah. It's like reading a Steve Ditko comic watching that show. It is a bit. Yeah. I, I gave up on it. I, I liked the first two seasons, and then I watched the third and said, I'm done. Maybe it's different for me being Canadian and not so thrust into all the uh, dialogue that they have within it, because to me it's just humorous, and it's like, ah, this is ridiculous, but then I know that a lot of people actually feel that way in the States. So. I don't know. I think Context. that's easing up a little bit, but I don't know. In time. In time. Now, was it nice to have a, to do a, like a regular comic again? Oh, yeah. I had a blast doing this. This is the most fun I ever had doing a comic. Is and it? I, so much so that I'm, I'm eager to do a sequel. Um, usually after I finish something, I think, oh, God, I'm glad I'm done. And I, I'd love to do a From the Ashes 2. Uh, we'll see if that happens. I, I hope that, uh, I hope it does. Now, how did you get connected with IDW? Because it seems a little different for uh, for a publisher for you. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm really happy to be working with a, with a new publisher. Most of my work for the last you know more than a decade has been Fantagraphics or Dark Horse, and I think it's good to to kind of go outside your usual. You know, I, I won't say the safety zone, but you comfort know, it's, zone. It's, it's good to to work for. For a variety of, of people, get a variety of experiences. Um, but IDW actually wouldn't have occurred to me because uh, prior to their, basically what 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 it what it worked out to was an old friend of mine, my friend Scott Dunbeer, um, 
who I've known for easily 15 years, maybe more than that, um, but only as a friend. He was an editor for many years at Wildstorm, and I never approached them because I just I didn't. <laughs> say, well, no, I don't say that with any editorial content. I just I didn't think my kind of work would fit their, oh, that's, that's their mold. Yeah. But then when he went over to IDW, um, I got the impression that that he was brought on because I think of IDW as, as predominantly doing licensed stuff. You know, like Transformers and Star Trek and GI Joe and Angel and all that kind of thing. But I knew Scott was brought in to bring in new types of projects and to do creator-owned stuff. And so um, I gave him a call, uh, you know, because what the hell? Just see, see, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? He would just, just say no. So I, I either called him or shot him an email. I think I shot him an email, and I said, hey, I've got this idea for a post-apocalypse thing starring Michelle and I. And he said, send me something. So I sent him... I had a, an outline I'd written up and some uh, prep drawings I'd done for it. And three days later, he called me and said yes. Awesome. It was, it was really quick. It's nice that it's in a, in a comic format, too. Like, that it is an actual comic. Not a floppy or a pamphlet, <laughs> but an actual comic. Yeah. And actually, the cover's fairly stiff, so it, it's, it's an almost stiffy. We well, can it, call it a semi. It's eventually going to be collected into a proper yes. stiffy. Yes, it's a semi, and it'll be a stiffy soon enough. <laughs> uh, just in case you have your children listening, uh, <laughs> I guess it's a little These like, are all it, comic book terms, kids. Don't they, worry about they, it. We've just invented a couple. It's actually going to be in the next uh, edition of uh, Scott McCloud's ongoing uh, <laughs> Understanding <comic>. Stiffies. <laughs> 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 I, I was going to call it rebranding comics. Or the Stiffy Revolution. I'm yeah. sorry, you know, my mind. <laughs> yeah. My mind, it, it never strays too far from the gutter. Yeah, no, that's okay. Um, luckily, we don't have the FCC up here, so. Right. We have the CRTC. Yeah, but they're not. I have, I have not cursed once. Every word we've used has been perfectly good and clean and, and wonderful. Well, you, you seem to have positive feelings towards Canadians. I mean, the the the, the one nice character in Connective Tissue is Pierre. Oh yeah, she yeah she's the only actual human that he that, that she has uh, fond feelings for. She likes his wine and cheese breath. <laughs> <laughs> Not all. She, Canadian. I mean, she 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 you know she likes little weird Larry Chindong too, but he does cause her more than a little bit of grief. He's a tad creepy. He is a tad creepy. He's very creepy. But I like the Canadian. And and if this plants any um, intrigue in your head, he shows up in From the Ashes. Ooh. Crossover. Wait, wow. Pierre or Larry Dong Chin? Larry, Larry Chin Dong. Chin Dong. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so how, how autobiographical does this comic get? Self-referential. Well, I mean, the fact that it's Michelle and I, it's, it's, it, it's, well, they see, that's the thing. It's since, since I, I, I like to think I dubbed this term, maybe I didn't or coined this term of speculative memoir. I mean, it's all autobiographical, but none of it's happened. Mm. It's kind of like, uh, except for the only stuff that, that is pretty much verbatim our lives is the flashback in the first issue, you know, with me doing battle with my hated PC and Michelle, <laughs> trying to 
do something as simple as, as get away from her office for lunch. You know, that's that's absolutely real. But uh, but other than that, the only truly real thing in the entire series is kind of our relationship with each other, you know, just our, 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 our love for each other. Um, but obviously everything else, uh, well, not obviously since you haven't seen it, <laughs> but it will be readily apparent that everything um, from the end of this issue on is is just flight of fancy. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, finding out what happens to the both of you next. Oh, it gets deeper, darker, crazier, uglier, there's, I think funnier. There's not a lot of uh, really exciting post-apocalyptic comics right now. The other one I can think of that I really enjoyed is uh, Brian Ralph's series, which the title's totally drawing a blank from my mind. Yeah, I'm not familiar. I can't help. It's a, it's a first-person like zombie-type thing. So you're actually like a character within the story, and it's mm. really fascinating. I recommend checking it out. I'll take a look if I can remember the title of it. But Underground? No, no? that's not it. Oh. <sighs> but we are near the end of our time here, Bob. Okay. Um, I've got a, another guest to bring on in a couple minutes. Hooray for oh, whoever hooray. that is, Simon Roy, local kid, done good. I wish him well. He's got a stiffy. It's actually not a full stiffy. It's got a spine. Um, like I, I really, I'm glad he has a spine. We need more men with spines. That's how it goes in the ink studs. We need more men with spines. Connective tissue from Fantagraphics and from the Ashes from IDW. Both uh, fantastic fun reads. The thing I really enjoyed about connective tissue is kind of like, oh, words. But it flowed. It was quick. It was really quick read, surprisingly, for the verboseness. Well, that's, I guess that's good. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, it's a quick, enjoyable read that people will want to read again and again. It is. It's fun, you know, and, and uh, it's uh, it's a journey, as any good book should be, right, Colin? <laughs> like the Odyssey or Alice in Wonderland. Well, Alice in Wonderland definitely was was part of its DNA. So I don't know if the Odyssey would really be in there. No, that wouldn't be so much. I was just riffing. Just ripping. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much, Bob. Thank oh, you. Thank you. And have a swell day. It was a pleasure talking to you. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. And so that was Bob Fingerman. Uh, his latest books, like I said, Connective Tissue and uh, From the Ashes. I'm going to do a quick song break, play another one of uh, Bob's uh, tracks that he'd like me to play. I think uh, I'm going to go with the, uh, the Lamb of God. Sound good, Colin? Uh, sure. Sure, Colin's excited. We'll be right back. Ink Stud, CITR 1.9 FM, and we'll have Simon Roy with us when we I'm, get back. I'm very particular about my metal. Meddling with metal.
Fuck on 